So as we mentioned, let's go ahead and dive into that first topic. And it's how AR, VR, and AI tools are going to help and hurt creative jobs. And the reason I wanted to talk about this is that in, in previous episodes, we've been talking about you know all of the different AI tools that, that have come into the market really pretty suddenly, whether it's video, whether it's writing, editing, uh, even from the podcast side of things to the video side of things, these tools have exploded in growth in recent years and are are expanding rapidly. But this tweet from a longtime social media commenter, Matthew Kobach, has really got me thinking. Let's go ahead and throw that up on the screen because he says, AI is going to replace white-collar jobs before blue-collar jobs because they're better at creating or they're better at creating creative than manual labor. And the reason that this rings true is because of the aforementioned tools, but also it's kind of creating an identity crisis for some artists and creators. Take a look at this account where AI personalities are explaining AI. Here are three things you should never do as a content creator in 2022. Never write your content from scratch. Use AI copywriter tools instead. They will recommend relevant copies that can save 60% of your writing time. Never design your content from scratch. Use AI design templates instead. You can create logos, videos, and banners in minutes. Never spend too much money on filming in a studio. Use AI avatars instead. You can create videos from text with over 60 avatars. I'm also an AI avatar from Synthesia. Follow for more about AI tools. Now it's pretty incredible watching that. What it's 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 an AI social media account powered by AI. So that means that video talent that you just saw and you just heard from is completely written and created by AI. Now a human still has to input what he wants that video talent to say and what he wants it to actually, you know, verb explain on camera. And then that account itself, AI explaining AI, has close to 400,000 followers on TikTok. And they just did like something ridiculous where they counted, they had the AI count to a million. And that led to an explosive growth in in numbers for the social media following. And it's just, it sounds a little ridiculous in theory. But when you think about how, you know, this kind of content is being created by robots, and it's garnering the attention and the following of different social media platforms, you really have to kind of, you know, see a little bit of the dangers of how, you know, creatives like myself, like other people are kind of freaking out about how fast all of this technology is evolving. Let's play this next clip. <laughs> I love Scott. I think he's going to be okay. But this was sentiment a lot of people had on my post about the AI-generated art that like, oh, this is going to replace artists now. We shouldn't be like embracing something like this. I really don't think that's the case. And I'm going to give you just a prime example right here. So first, this is an artist that I follow, and she recently decided to show her latest print that's available. It is titled Dawn Awakening, and it is watercolor and gouache. So I decided, okay, I'm gonna take that title, Dawn Awakening, I'm gonna put it into the AI generator, and I'm gonna tell it that this is to be done in the style of watercolor mixed with gouache. It gave me this and this. And I mean, they're fine, but they're not like her painting. So then I decided, let me try and give the AI a little more direction. Like tell it kind of what is in her image. So I told it, figure of a woman awakening in the morning sun. To that, it gave me this, as well as this. And again, they're fine, but this has no heart. I mean, her image has soul. 
It has life. It's a tangible being in a moment that we can all recognize. And the AI-generated one looks more like a painting you might find at a big box store, already framed that you hang in an office or a hotel. And it is an artist's soul that an AI is never going to be able to replicate. An AI is never going to be able to do something that lives like this. And I 100% agree with that argument that a lot of these different technologies is lacking a soul, is lacking you know the, the human spirit and the creativeness behind it. Because if you think about it from that lens, then that is, is something that an AI will never be able to produce. And you you have to really hone in on a lot of these different AI generators and the text that you input into the system is extremely important. There's actually guides that have been created on how to tell the AI what to create in order to make something that's a little bit more usable. Because a lot of these AI generators, some of it that I've played around with is kind of junk. But the more you learn how to give the prompts to the system, the better it's going to, the better image that you're going to get out of it. And arguably, with a lot of these different platforms, they are only showing images that are in watercolor format, that are in, you know, something that is, you can look right away and kind of tell that that was an AI image. They already kind of have their own style. And that's done on purpose because they know that these tools have the ability to create real looking photos and it's completely AI generated. So they these tools have sort of, you know, from an ethical standpoint, have held back from allowing real type photos that exist. And so I, I want to go back to that soulful argument because I believe that if creators in and of them, if, if they take their job seriously and they're in and if they want to evolve with the times and if they want to evolve as they have more tools, you know, it's perfectly fine to still use the tools that you've always used and that historically have always been used. But what if creators started looking at these tools instead of being fearful and started to embrace them instead of, you know, looking at them as sort of like the scary, like man under the bed um, type of environment? Let's take a look at this example from another TikTok. I've been working on a new painting commission recently for a client that wanted me to do a mixed media piece on quantum computing. For the reference photos, he sent me a bunch of AI-generated artwork. After he sent me all these AI reference images, I was thinking to myself, damn, if I was to go head-to-head -head with an AI, do you think I could beat them artistically? I mean, they're pretty expressive works, so this is what I have so far. We have this crazy computer, a ton of abstractions, this main character with the quantum computer coming out of his head, and some other things going on. I'm really trying to focus on the layers with this piece. It's not done yet, but let me know what you guys think. Cody or the AI? So, you know, that is a perfect example of an artist taking AI-generated images that were sent by a client and creating something new that most people would actually love to have in their house versus just a general AI created art or piece of image. And so I think that that's a perfect example of an artist using AI to their advantage. Also, if you've ever been involved in any kind of like graphic design or logo work, you know that getting inspiration from a client is very, very difficult. Trying to get what they envision out of their head and into, you know, a, a piece of paper out of, you know, into a conversation so you can create something that you think they really like. I think using that workflow of having a client go to AI and write in whatever they want and pick what they want as inspiration and then using that to create your art 
part afterwards. I think that that's a, a brilliant way to look at this because then you're getting the imagination from the actual person who needs the job to be done. And then that artist can then take that imagery from there and create something completely unique and completely new. Now, there are other ways that, that AI is being used, especially when it comes to marketing. I mean, when I, for me personally, when I write website copy, I write out what I want to say and then I use a tool like copy.ai or a couple of there are other tools out there. I think Jasper is another one um, that you can create copy. There's tons of them that are out there now, but I've primarily used copy.ai. And so when I create my own copy, I then go to that site, I plug in that copy, and I'm given so many more ideas. But those ideas stemmed from what's in my head. And so I think that that's a really great use case if you're struggling, especially for a lot of one-person marketing teams out there. Think about a one person or not just one person marketing teams, but also like a a small trucking company who may not be able to have the resources or the budget or to, to be able to go and hire a photographer and to have them create some images for their branding, for their website, for, you know, all of the things that they need to survive as a small company. They don't have the resources or the skill set to do that. These kind of tools will give them that and it'll give them that for free. It's sort of limited to what your own imagination can can sort of mock up as long as you are comfortable with watercolor looking images instead of, you know, like real life truck photo images. And then the last one I wanted to get is how an example of retail brands and how they could be using this technology in order to decrease returns in order to optimize their reverse logistics you know buying clothes is the the biggest thing that we do online from a, a purchasing standpoint and a lot of the returns that happen in our eco in our e-commerce ecosystem is returns because clothing is ill-fitting it doesn't it doesn't look right on their particular body so they return it and they just you know they sort of change their mind about the the product in general but what if we could use AI in order to decrease the amount of returns and the amount of reverse logistics that that companies have to implement. Let's play the next clip. See, now that technology can be replicated for anyone. You could scan your entire body and then be able to see how that clothing looks and feels on your particular body before you ever buy it, before you ever purchase it. I think AI has an incredible opportunity to sort of take over when it comes to the retail space. And these are all, you know, what I've mentioned so far are, are mainly positive examples of using this technology. But we got to talk about the ethics and and the other side of of using AI because there there is a huge concern around the ethical conversation when it comes to using these different technologies. The tools that we see are extremely powerful, but we're seeing also how challenging it is from the current content landscape in order to moderate that content to make sure that it's real people and not software and bots that are that are taking over the conversation. It's incredibly difficult to moderate. We've covered that in previous episodes, how challenging it is, not just you know for people to discern what's real and, and what's fake, but also for a lot of the top companies, a lot of the top social media companies that are having really extreme difficulties moderating content that they perceive as being is, is being created by real people. But hell, even you know AI personalities are being created for musicians, for social media profiles. And those types of profiles 
already exist. So that ethical conversation needs to be had sooner rather than later. Because here's an example of AI getting hired, where it's a model called Shudu, and she's a digital model with a quarter of a million followers. And she's actually a CGI creation by London photographer Cameron James Wilson. And she there's a lot of models that are upset that this woman, this digital creator is getting hired over real life models. So you have an example of AI getting hired. But what about AI getting fired, which is a really unique example, because I believe this artist, quote unquote, artist's name is Effin Mecca, which is an augmented reality artist who released a single in August called Florida Water. Go figure. But he used stereotypes in his lyrics that offended many in the Black community. And so he was dropped from the label. And this is, remember, this is a completely made up virtual AI-driven artist that was signed to a label and then dropped from a label. That is some like next level, we're already in Ready Player One type scenarios. So both of these, the the hired and the fired sort of creative personalities, those are more on the, I guess, experimental side of things. But what happens when a private industry or governments, either known or unknown, are going to start using this technology? And maybe it's far, I would assume that it's far more advanced than what the general public has access to. But what if these tools are going to start being used to slander a political rival or to pretend as if you are you are representing a business when it's actually a competitor who's impersonating you. All of these situations are very plausible to happen with the technology that is available right now between deep fakes and also and of course the the AI personalities that we just mentioned, but deep fakes and you know synthesia and you know being able to match audio to a new conversation based off of audio patterns that someone has already spoken to, you know, say like a a creator like myself who has hours and hours of content already available on the web, there could be people that could could take those recordings and make and record it and then make me say something completely new that I never said. And so with situations like this, we are going to have to really have that ethical conversation on what should be allowed and what shouldn't be allowed. And we really need to think about, you know, properly, you know, creating legislation around this that prevents some of these tools from being able to do that. Because it was just a year ago that for a lot of our our, our government officials, they are so behind on just the general knowledge of what these tools are capable of. And it's evolving so rapidly. We just had a senator that was a year ago. He talked about ending Finsta. He had a public hearing. Senator uh, Richard Blumenthal, he asked a Facebook executive to end Finsta at a hearing. And Finsta, the fact that you are even making that comment just proves that you do not have a general understanding of what the social media landscape is because Finsta is just a slang word for a fake Instagram account. So usually teens, especially ones that want to kind of hide a lot of their content from, you know, maybe some other people, maybe their family, maybe they kind of, you know, they want to have the the family facing profile and they want to have a fake one where they can kind of be a little bit more themselves. That is a Finsta. So this senator, not knowing the different terminologies and the different slang that is being used on these different platforms. These are the people that we're going to have to be trusting to be able to legislate properly on what these AI tools will be able to do and what they won't be able to do. And so there are a couple different solutions that are being talked about from some of the groups that I follow and some of the, the, the discussions that I'm involved with. 
There are blockchain solutions that are hopefully being developed, being developed that can verify that, say, a video like this or an, a recording like this can have a almost a digital watermark. And I think what it's called, it's called cryptography. And it adds a digital signature to the content itself. So I think we're going to have to move very quickly. And when I say we, not waiting on governments to sort of legislate this, but we as a society are going to have to really look into these things to get them for ourselves, to protect ourselves and to protect, you know, maybe our companies and then other content that is being created, especially when you think about it from, you know, a, a political rival or a, you know, a, a competitor rival. Obviously, that's a kind of an oxymoron, but a competitor is a rival. But it, it just bringing this all full scope that while we have all of these amazing tools that can really help the one person market team and can really help you know a lot of the solar creators around there uh, out there entrepreneurs small teams just in, a, uh, in and of itself it's so important to have a media brand and you can use these tools to your advantage but we also need to be really weary about how fast this technology is developing and then to create solutions around combating you know a lot of the issues that are going to start to arise if they haven't already you know sort of entered our ecosphere as it is so I think it's ultimately a good thing that a lot of these tools exist, but we're going to have to be weary about the dangers and the unforeseen dangers that we might not even be aware of. So that's kind of my little pitch for, you know, how AI is probably going to take over white collar jobs faster than blue collar jobs. And it's an interesting discussion. We're obviously going to follow this and, and report on more of it. Hope you enjoyed that episode of Everything is Logistics, a podcast by Digital Dispatch, where we help your company build a better website. And speaking of my company, I founded it back in 2018, but we recently streamlined our website services plans. So if you want to check out how we can help you and your marketing team build a better website and connect those ROI goals, then go visit digitaldispatch.io. You can also check out past episodes of this show and every show by hitting up the resources page on digitaldispatch.io or on everythingislogistics.com. I do some freelance content projects for select clients. And if you liked this show, then you might like some of the other content projects that I've worked on, like Cyberly, Maritime Means, and more. But until next time, I'm Blake Brumleave, and I will see you real soon. Go Jags!